calling out to the Atascacita community. It's time for your Atascacita Library advanced copy. Get your notes and news now. Hello, Atascacita community. So glad you could join us for this advanced copy episode for November 6, 2021. Can you believe we are almost done with the year 2021? We'll have one more episode of advanced copy this year because the way the holidays fall, we're going to only have one in November and one in December. But of course, we're going to come back strong in 2022. Oh my gosh, 2022. So some updates for our construction. We've got a lot happening there. Now the parking lot area is almost done. They still have to do some of the curbside work. The striping for the parking lot won't happen until mid next year. They want to get all the construction done first before the stripes for those parking spaces are added. Right now, there's a lot of focus on the meeting room and the weather, of course, is going to have an impact on this. But pouring that foundation and getting that ready and then the retention pond that needs to go in. But there is progress every day. Be sure to visit the library and see the changes that are happening each time. They're doing a great job with keeping that project moving forward. Hi, Edit Patriots. This is PJ with some tips to make the use of our online catalog easier. First suggestion, if you're a fan of our old online catalog, may I suggest you click on the link that says Enterprise Classic Catalog on the top bar to the right side of where it states my account. I personally find this view to be less hectic on the eyes. This leads me to my next suggestion. If you're a Spanish speaker or are more dominant Spanish than English, you can click on the Espanol link to translate the page. While it does not completely translate the page 100%, it will make it easier to navigate. If you are looking for events taking place throughout the month, you can click on events up on the top bar below our logo. Once you do, on the left right above the search events box, click the monthly calendar view. Once you pick the library, you'll be able to see all the events taking place that month for that library. While not related to searching, it is related to our online website. If you are looking for the latest information on our library system, for example, COVID procedures or closures, make sure to read the top of our website indicated with the word notice. This will give you emergency information. Use filters. Using the filters to the left of the search results are more likely to find you precisely what you're looking for. Tip number six, use hyperlinks to get to your favorite author's other books. Ever wonder what other books an author has written? If so, simply click on the hyperlink and the search results will list the other books we have in the system. Another tip is using Novelist. Novelist is a great tool that can help you search for books, series, or authors that are alike. You can get to Novelist by simply typing the term on the search bar. Once the results come up, click on the option HCPL website. The link should show up, simply click on it. Lastly, but not least, if there is ever a book that you'd like but we don't have it in the system, please use the link, suggest a book. This lets us know what our patrons want and helps with future purchases. Simply scroll down to the end of the page. Under the service column, you'll find a link that says suggest a book. Simply fill out the form. We'll take care of the rest. I hope these tips have been helpful to you guys. Until we meet again, this is PJ. 
So November has a lot going on in it. It is, of course, the month that has Thanksgiving. It is also the month in which we honor and celebrate Indigenous peoples, the First Nations, Native American peoples. Now, terms are specific to individuals or to specific nations. So when I use them, I'm using the term that I found on a particular site or resource when I speak of it. My desire is to make sure that I am using the terminology that I am finding in these resources. And one of those resources that is very, very interesting and I encourage you to visit is actually through the census. You'll want to go to www.census.census. Dot gov. Now it's slash newsroom slash facts for features slash 2021 slash AIAN hyphen month dot HTML. If you don't want to remember all of that, just go to census.gov and then you will look in their newsroom facts for features, which is great information on anyone who wants to do a feature story about a particular item. In this case, these are facts for features for the American Indian and Alaska Native Heritage Month for November 2021. So did you know that 7.1 million, that's the number, the nation's American Indian and Alaska Native population alone or in combination with other race groups in 2020. Remember, we just had a census, so we have a lot more recent figures. This is why there's impact on districting and all these changes going on. But there are some really important statistics out there about the First Nations. 10.1 million is the projected American Indian and Alaska Native population alone or in combination with other race groups on July 1, 2060. They would constitute 2.5% of the total population. So here's a really vital statistic. There are 574 federally recognized Indian tribes in 2020. There are lots more stats that you can find on census.gov, specifically about our First Nations, the American Indian and Alaska Native population. Statistics include families, health insurance, jobs, languages. They have also, of course, the previous facts and figures. So that's information as provided by the United States Census Bureau. There is also a site to share with you, and it's the National Congress of American Indians. You can visit that website at ncai.org. Now, the NCAI was established in 1944 in response to the termination and assimilation policies that the U.S. government had forced upon tribal governments in contradiction of their treaty rights and status as sovereign nations. So the NCAI's mission is to protect and enhance treaty and sovereign rights, secure traditional laws, cultures, and ways of life for the descendants of First Nations, promote a common understanding of the rightful place of tribes in the family of American governments, and improve the quality of life for Native community and peoples. On their website, they have a State of Indian Nations, 
And each year, the president of the National Congress of American Indians presents the State of Indian Nations Address to members of Congress. As you will read on their website, that speech is delivered to reflect the state of nation-to-nation relationship and offers concrete recommendations where Congress and the administration can partner more closely with tribal nations. It's meant to facilitate engagement and improvement. And there are enormous amount of resources on the National Congress of American Indians website. And I do recommend that you visit those resources and explore more information. Now, American Indian and Alaska Native Heritage Month is not the only celebration. In fact, there are so many more. But another one I would like to highlight is it is also National Adoption Month. There are many ways to build a family, and adoption is one of them. The complexity of families built and the variety of stories of how that has happened just illustrates that it's never exactly the same from one family to another. Recently, Netflix released a documentary called Found. Now, this was based on international adoption, three young ladies who had been adopted to the United States from China and their exploration of finding their culture and some of them choosing to search for their birth family uh, carries them on this journey. And it is an extremely emotional documentary. Now, there are several types of adoption, but the five main ones are adopting through the child welfare system, also known as foster care. And within that, those can be open, closed, semi-open. There is international adoption, and those go through Hague Convention rules and regulations. And each government of another country has specific requirements that must be met in the adoption process. There's also private adoption. Again, this is open, closed, semi-open. Most of the adoptions in this day are open. Now, that varies from family to family and how much communication is happening, but those are established usually through a lawyer or through an agency. There are many legal things that need to happen in in a certain order, but those are the private adoptions. Then there is the relative or kinship adoption. This can sometimes happen if a step-parent adopts the child of their spouse. It's also sometimes a grandparent adopting their child's child or a sibling adopting their siblings. There's a lot of different relationships there. And again, very specific to each family's situation. And another one that's not heard of often is adult adoption. And adult adoption is exactly as it, as it says, is an adult choosing to join a family. And it is a joint type of communication and structure, and it also goes through legal processes as well. Now, we were very, very fortunate to have an adoptee and author. Mr. Edward Deganji wrote a book based on his experiences of coming across information about his birth mother. And Darla had an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Deganji to speak about his book and the discoveries he made about his birth mother. 
Hi, I'm Darla, and I'm here with Edward Deganji, and we are talking about his book, The Gift Best Given. Hi, Edward. Darla, it's good to be with you today. Thank you. So, Edward, we're going to have you give a little bit of background about yourself and your connection to the Atascacita area. Sure. My connection with Atascacita is we moved from New York City, and when I say we, it was my wife and I, moved from New York City to Atascacita in 1988. And we lived in Pinehurst from 1988 through 1999. While we were there, our son was born in 1991. And it was a, just a wonderful place and a place filled with great memories. And we were sad to leave it, but I, I moved on for a career opportunity that, that took us to Pittsburgh, which could not have been any different than Ita- <laughs> any more different than Atascacita. Definitely different weather than than. Oh, it Texas. certainly is. Let's talk about your inspiration to write this book. Sure, uh, I was born in 1948, and I was adopted at birth. I knew that pretty much all of my life, even though my parents had never discussed it with me. So I I learned that I was adopted when I one day was going through some of their papers, and discovered my. Uh, adoption decree and a New York State birth certificate, which said a, a certificate of birth by adoption. And, you know, my, my thought was if I, if my parents were not talking about it, then it wasn't for me to question. And, you know, and sadly, they, they went to their graves, my father in 1976 and my mother in 1987. And uh, there was never a discussion, but I, I had an idyllic life and very, honestly, very seldom thought about my adoption, but yeah, there was the periodic, gee, I wonder who my mother was. I, I never gave very much thought to my father. And you know, and then in 2017, uh, I had finished reading a book for the third time called The Lost. And it was a book by Daniel Mendelssohn, which talked about his search uh, for the identity of relatives that were lost during the Holocaust. And you know, at that time, there was a there were TV shows about search for lost family and things like that. And all of a sudden, I got interested. So I went to our local library, and I started by looking for my adoptive mother's family, and very quickly found information there. And uh, for the first time, I thought that if it's that easy to find information about them, I bet I could figure out more about who who the woman was who placed me for adoption. And that's where the journey began. Well, and you were very lucky that you actually had her name. I was extremely lucky. Many, if not most adoptees do not. But my adoption was privately arranged. And therefore, there was paperwork with my adoptive parents' names, their attorneys' names, and one name that I didn't recognize. And that, that that was my birth mother. That was a that was a wonderful gift that you you know that, that your parents were able to give you because then you had a jumping off point, and you know luckily with you know ancestry dot com and all of these different things that we have now you know thirty years ago that didn't exist. No, you no, know. you're exactly right, and, and it so, you know, it was only slightly complicated by the fact that I I had her birth name, and I found some civil documents, you know, census records, things like that, and then found, you know, an immigration paper or a, an application for a visa dated the year after I was born. 
and it was from Miami, Florida to Rio de Janeiro, written in Portuguese, and it listed my mother as an artista. Plus, it had her picture, which was great. And I don't want to give away spoilers from the book, but you also made another discovery that kind of helped fill in the blanks about her life. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to save that for readers of the book? Well, I, I think you know, we can certainly talk about that. And I hope people will read the book because it really wasn't a was an exciting set of discoveries. Uh, I ultimately learned I, you know, I f- saw that piece of paper which said she was an artista. I found a marriage license from several years later that listed her as a performer. And ultimately, I found out that she had been a a star in the big ice skating spectaculars in the 1940s and the 1950s and managed to find some some people who had purchased a big box of, uh, of memorabilia at an auction, all which pertained to my birth mother. And I made contact with them. We visited with them. And, and you know, in the ultimate gift they could give, they just handed me that box and said, we've just been holding this for you. We, we knew you'd arrive at some point. I mean, it was just such kismet. You know, you, you go to antique malls and places like that, and you find scrapbooks and different things of people who've passed on. And you always wonder, you know, where are their families and where are the people that are connected to them? And it was just such an amazing moment that, all of a sudden you find that you have these people who have all these amazing documents and newspaper clippings and everything. And so, I mean, I know that formed a lot of the basis of your your research for the book. Did you do any additional research on the time period? Because uh, there's a lot of really rich detail. And so did you, once you piece together the timeline with all these newspaper articles and everything, uh, did you go back and do some research kind of about the ice skating circuit or different things? How did you kind of put your book together from there? I did. I did a lot of research. You know, she, my birth mother at the age of 17 left home and traveled alone across the country by train to join an ice skating troupe, which was then in Vancouver, British Columbia. I did lots and lots of research on on what that train trip would have been and what every step along the way would have been and enjoyed that tremendously. I I grew up in New York City, so there's detail about her leaving Grand Central Station in New York. As far as the ice skating details, there's a, a very rich community or several communities on Facebook that are people who were in Holiday on Ice and Ice Follies and and just some general groups. And I reached out to them and I said, this is who my mother was. Does anybody know her? And sure enough, I got some, I got some answers back. And, you know, my mother had been born in 1925. So by the time I started my search in 2017, she would have been 91 years old. So there was a, there were a limited number of people who had been in the shows with her and and Mm -hmm. were still alive and, and active on social media, but they were there and they were more than willing to share information. And it helped me paint, a, I think, a very accurate picture of, of who she was and, and the type of person that she was. Well, that was one thing I found really enjoyable is the, you know, all the detail. And I could tell that you put research into it and you put time into reconstructing her life. But what do you want people to take away from your book? Well, I, I, I think there are a number of things. Number one, it reads very well just as a as an individual's tale 
of, of search for somebody and then that individual herself it richly details uh, six years of her life from 1942 until 1948 from the time she was out there ice skating to the time she she sequestered herself as secretively to to manage her pregnancy and to then to arrange you know to give up a baby for adoption in a time when that was it was difficult time for adoptions. That was the baby scoop era. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she did it more the way that it's done today than it was done in 1948. She knew precisely what she wanted for me. And remarkably, she found the parents who gave it to me. And I, I thought that was great. I think, you know, it, it also should be an encouragement to anybody who, who is touched by adoption in any way, either, yeah, it is adopted themselves or is given a child up for adoption or or has adopted a child. And there are many people out there, more than I think anybody mm-hmm. would realize. And I think we'll make a real interesting read for them. And if the there's a message there, it's this should not be a secret. It should be something that's talked about and and you know and shared. I yeah, I kept it a secret when I was when up until the time I started this to discover. And when my book was published, I had relatives who called me and they said, gee, we're really sorry. We, we always knew you were adopted. We thought you did. <laughs> so it was a, you know, there are, there are very few secrets out there anymore. It's become more commonplace and people are more open now with talking about adopting and, very much so. and fostering. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful progress that we've made and hopefully we'll keep moving forward and finding children homes. Yeah, I I think you know it's a as you said it's much more open these days, and there's much more discussion about it, and there's you know the shame that used to be there is no longer attached to it, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But I think for you know for folks who adopted or were adopted back in that baby scoop era, you know this uh, the book itself and the story may help clear some of that air, and and give them a better feeling about themselves, which whichever part of the triad they had been been part of well in closing is there anything else you want to talk about Uh, again just yeah adoption is not a foreign thing there are lots and lots of people out there i i think one of the interesting discoveries i made is the book was published and one of my wife's best friends came to me and said maybe you can help me i'm adopted i'm searching oh wonderful i went to our local bookstore to talk with the owner there. And she just kind of smiled and shook her head. She said, I was adopted too. And, you know, and then the lady who's a, a friend of ours who I periodically had coffee with. And when we started to talk, she said, back in the 1960s, I placed a child for adoption. These were just, yeah, they were everyday people who we encountered all the time. And, and it was just something nobody was talking about. But once it was out and it was aired, Everybody was talking about it. Well, in this day and age of, you know, DNA tests, there have been several stories of people who have their DNA tests have popped up. Relatives, brothers and sisters. And I actually have a friend who his DNA test, you know, popped up. Someone who is probably his biological yeah. brother. Well, I'll, I, as you've probably read in the book, you know, I, I did a mm-hmm. DNA test before I began my search for my mother. It was shortly before, and all I wanted to know was my ethnicity. And, you know, the ancestry was backed up for quite some time. But when the results came, 
I, you know, I found out my ethnicity, but at the top of the list of relatives was a, you know, was somebody that ancestry labeled as first cousin, close relative. And what that really translates into, I found is I found my half brother, a paternal half brother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so obviously his father was my father. And so there, there are no secrets anymore. DNA will reveal them all if there are. Especially, like I said, for people who don't have a lead, don't have a way to find, you know, any information. You know, it's just one of those things. And sometimes they, they do it, you know, sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's accidental. There have been several stories of people who've accidentally just taken one for fun like you did or for to find out the ethnicity. And then suddenly you're like, oh, well, you know. That's true. And I would caution, you know, not every every one of those discoveries is a happy mm -hmm. one, you know, because I, you know, there are several books out there. And Danny Shapiro wrote a book called Inheritance, and she had lived her whole life very close to her father. And one day on a lark, took a DNA test and her whole life got turned upside down because she found out that the man who she cherishes, her father, was not her father. You know, so there are some wonderful discoveries. I, I value the discovery I made, but you know, there are some that are life-changing discoveries, and not always for the best. So, where's your book available? Well, my book can be ordered from any independent bookstore. It is available on Amazon and all the online retailers, and my website, which is www.digangiauthor.com. It's D-I-G-A-N, like Nancy, G-I. I would be happy to send out autographed and personalized copies. And, you know, listeners can order from the website using a credit card. So it's, it's widely available. Any place you typically find your books, you can find, find the gift best given. It's also available through the um, online retailers both in soft cover and in digital format. It's wonderful to touch back with the Tuscasita Library again. My my wife was down there this summer and and took photos of the of the pavers with our with our family oh. name from when the library first opened. So oh, we have, wonderful! We have a lot of great memories of the library and the community. Oh, we'd love to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Darla, thank you. And have a good day. You do the same. Thanks so much for reaching out. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's great to talk to you, too. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Coffee. We have some great upcoming programs. Adults and teens are welcome to join us on Friday, November 12th at 4.30 p.m. for a live presentation online as we learn about the four severe weather components affecting North Texas, lightning, tornadoes, hail, and floods from storm chaser Chelsea Burnett. She'll teach us safety precautions while sharing storm chase photos and video. Registration through our online calendar is required to receive the Zoom link to this presentation. You'll also not want to miss registering for our upcoming story times. November 9th's Tell Me a Tale Tuesday at 4.15 and November 10th's Virtual Tales for Toss at 10 a.m. It's Dinovember and you'll have a dynamite time hearing stories about dinosaurs. Remember, register online for those upcoming story times so you can get those Zoom links. Now, it's been called Pilot Bread, 
sea biscuit, soda crackers, sea bread, tooth dollars, armor plates, and worm castles. Learn the history behind the standard military bread ration from the 17th century onwards, starting November 19th, called hardtack. We will even provide a recipe to make your own hardtack at home to store for years and years. Now this is a pre-recorded video and it will be featured on our social media pages starting November 19th. Hello, this is Miss Kimberly, and every other month I host The Book Habit, our book club that is exclusive for readers ages 8 to 12. This month we will be discussing Roller Girl by Victoria Jamison. For most of her life, Astrid has done everything with her best friend Nicole. But when Astrid signs up for roller derby camp and Nicole goes to dance camp, their friendship becomes strained. Astrid struggles to keep up with the older, more experienced girls at roller derby camp and not having Nicole with her to encourage her. As summer ends and her first roller derby bout and middle school approaches, Astrid comes to realize that she is strong enough to handle a lost friendship, new friendships, middle school, and to be the best roller girl she can be. Roller Girl is a Newbery Honor Award winner, a New York Times bestseller, and was selected to be a Texas Bluebonnet book. The story is a heartwarming and inspirational coming-of-age graphic novel about friendship, perseverance, and girl power. But if this book doesn't interest you, we invite you to read and discuss any other graphic novel at the Book Habit meeting on November the 22nd at 4 p.m. To join the book habit, you will need to register online at our website, hcpl.net backslash events. Next, visit the library or use curbside service to check out a copy of Roller Girl, and you'll get a craft kit. On the day of the program, we will email you a link to join the Zoom meeting. Supplies are limited, so make sure you sign up today. See you soon on Zoom! Thank you for joining us for this episode of Advanced Copy. If you enjoy what you hear, please leave a comment and give us a like. That way other people can share what you've learned. The library will be closed for the Thanksgiving holiday. We close at 5 on November 24th and will remain closed through November 28th. Our next episode is coming out in December. Have a wonderful November. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Copy. Find information on media used and resources mentioned on our podcast webpage. This podcast is produced by the staff of Atascacita Branch Library, a part of the Harris County Public Library System. Funds for the podcast are provided by a grant from Best Buy through the Friends of Atascacita Library. Find out more about this 501c3 organization at fol.ws. That's F-O-A-L dot W-S.